there's just so many great lines in that movie. A Huffalump. Heffalumps and Woozles. Huffalumps and Woozles. T-I-double-get-er. The wonderful thing about Tiggers. Tiggers, Tiggers a are a wonderful thing. thing. Yeah. Right on. Tiggers. Awesome. Yeah, go ahead and pull that He always that had closer there. so much joy can... in his heart. Oh, Tig- I got, I Tigger is pretty rocking. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. He's... Tigger had the joy of the Lord, man. You think that's what it was? The joy of the Lord was his strength, I'd say, if I was, you know, going on the Winnie the Pooh Bible commentary series. I always like Winnie the Pooh. He was solid. 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 You know, he was a simple bear, but he had some pretty... He had some pretty strong quotes. So I, li- I like the pace at which he thinks. Man. Nothing really moves fast in the 100-acre wood. I like that quote about, uh, you know, kind of like doing nothing is when something happens. Mm. So it makes me think of like how often are people really alone with their thoughts? Like never. And uh, I always thought about, like, think about Abraham chilling back in the day in the desert, maybe watching some sheep. And he actually has the time. He sees this burning. Excuse me, Moses sees a. Oh, you're thinking Moses. Oh, Moses. I'm sorry. We're changing genres and times. Yeah, but Moses sees this, like, this burning bush out there. It's like, ah. I got the time. I'll go check that I'll out. Go check that out. What in the yeah. world is going on over there? I mean, I've things I've seen things catch fire before, but nothing like Not, that. Yeah, and it just keeps burning and burning and burning. Think about that. Like they had time to like think about stuff, and we just like run from one thing to the other. Now we have social media and phone notifications. You know, I remember when I had my first fax machine. Hmm. And I thought, man, I'm like, I only have to work like half a day with this thing. It's going to make my life so much faster. And? And it just made it so I could do more work in a shorter amount of time. But I just did more work. Yeah, we do kind of put more expectations upon ourselves now that we can apparently do more things at once. Does The, the question is, are we actually getting anything more done? I don't think so. Yeah. We're not getting any more godly, that's for sure. Social media, you don't do much of that. I don't. I used to. Yeah. I got off of there because I was so grieved by it. It is grieving. Like, all the political stuff was horrible. Yeah. I stopped looking at it. I think it's been about three years ago now. The saddest thing about social media, the hardest thing was, is I would get pulled into fights between brothers and sisters or brothers You would actually brothers. engage or you'd try to no, bring I, peace? I, well, no. I tried to, to, try to, to bring peace. Because we're thing peacemakers. Was, Right. Absolutely. Blessed are the peacemakers. Well, because they'll obtain... They well, shall no. be called the children of God. Yeah. And blessed are the merciful, because they'll get mercy. So, yeah, mercy's good. You know that whole uh, chapter five there? Uh, the beatitude. Yeah, the Beatitudes. Yeah. The Beatitudes. You know, I give that to couples when there's an emergency... I'm going to call... I've got my air quotes up mm, right now. Air quotes. Emergency counseling thing going on. Like, they need to talk to me right now. I said, you know, I want you to go back and read the Beatitudes and then... Ask yourself if you're being these take, things. Take five beatitudes and call me in the morning. Exactly. Are you being this? Are you mm-hmm. being merciful? Are you you know are are you doing that? And man, nothing like a little self confrontation. You know, I've been reading through the Gospel of Luke, and uh, at the end of Matthew chapter five, Sermon on the Mount, it says, "Be holy, for your Father in heaven is yeah. holy." Right. 
So I was reading the passage in Luke's gospel. I think it's like Luke 10 or 11, where the, you have the corresponding passage. And in Luke's gospel, it says, be merciful for your father in heaven. Mm. I like that. I like that. Praise you, God you can't go mercy. wrong with being both. No, I'm seeking I'm, to be I'm holy down with and merciful. I'm down with mercy. I like mercy. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for mercy. I started First John this morning. Reading through First John? Yeah. We're going to be going through that book soon. I know. I'd like to have some thoughts on it, so it'll be good as I start thinking on things. There's some good stuff in First John. Yeah, a lot of really great... Uh, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. That's a song. Let's not sing it, though. Yeah, and holy you know that is one. your name. I do. That's a Calvary classic. Bro. Totally Calvary classic. Speaking you, of Calvary classics, I got this uh, sweet book here. This is from like the 70s. Rejoice in Jesus always. Songs and worship, songs of worship and praise. There's some really intriguing songs in here. You know, I thought I knew all the Calvary classics, but there's some in there I have never heard. Yeah, there, there are some very, um, how shall we say, very 70s era-ish songs well, in the here. the cover looks straight out of I think this is straight up straight up uh, Greg Laurie artwork here. He's got artwork yeah. all throughout the whole thing. They were making America groovy again. Seek man. ye first the kingdom of God yeah. and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. 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 Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. I remember that. That was on the kid we sing Bible songs. Was it really? Day. Yeah. Here's one called Root Toot Two. And it just, yeah, it that, hardly that would, has any words in it. That was after the potluck. <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> I don't even have words. Don't. Just let it go, as they say. I wonder if this will make the cut on the actual on the actual recording we post online. I'd say let it fly. Let it fly? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's important for people to know that we're people. We are. We're people that mm-hmm. God pressed into service. He counted us worthy, placing us into the ministry. Boy, he got more than he bargained for. Yeah. You know, it's humbling. That's really humbling, actually. It is humbling. That's, that's... You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, I am what I am by the grace of God. That's for sure. I know. Popeye ripped that off later on, too. I am uh, what I am. I am what I am. Yeah. Boy, oh, boy. Yeah. No, that's... Yeah. You know, that's... I mean, people, I'm sure, fake humbleness and, you know, holiness and all those things. Yeah, the humility thing. But, yeah. Feigning. I think if you see a really bossy, pushy pastor, sometimes I wonder if he got called into the ministry sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. You got it's a pretty humbling thing to get pressed into the service of the Lord and like you don't want to mess that up. I, I don't want to mess that. that up. I don't want to mess that up. Yes. Yeah. Too much Shoot shrapnel. That. Man. So this is like um I don't know, this is like our sixth or seventh time doing this. I don't know. We're gonna get it right one day. Maybe if we keep trying. There you go. I actually kind of look forward to doing this during the week now. I have fun with this. It's like the unwind. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So we do have a few questions from this last weekend. Yeah, there's some you great got, questions. You got some there? You want to you wanna throw one out at us here? Yeah, Number one. numero uno here. What text do you think Timothy used for preaching? Hmm. Man, that's a great question. We got some historical and some uh, euphorical and some, yeah, ecumenical. and uh, We got some stuff there. Something biblical? Yeah. Yeah, because Paul did tell him to study to show yourself approved and to preach the word. So what was he preaching? My best guess is that he was going back into the Old Testament and giving the revelations of Christ. There are so many of them, the revelations of Jesus. 
and going back into Isaiah and all that and saying, hey, this is the guy. All that good stuff. Yeah, and then I thought it was really neat as a little preview into First uh, John. So you know uh, my you know my theory about Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, who wrote it? A Gentile guy? So my, my theory, I taught this when we went through Hebrews like two years ago. My okay. theory is that Timothy is the author of the book of Hebrews. Really? Which, which if he is, and someone would have to go listen to the whole message to understand why. There's like five good reasons why Timothy could possibly be the author of Hebrews. But if he is, man, he had a good knowledge of the Old Testament. It, again, you're communicating with people. That's all they know. It's mm-hmm. not like they can whip out the book of Matthew or anything, right? Not and, yet. And uh, But I, what I think was really cool about starting First John this morning is it was testifying uh-huh. of how he always was. Yes, that which we have seen and heard, we yes. deliver to you. And he's like, this is it. This is the guy. And the spirit of that first chapter is, we want to share this with you because we want you to have big, full joy. Yeah, that your joy may be full. Yeah, and I'm like... That was one of Jesus's... He, he says, you know, I want my joy to be in you and your joy to be full. That's good times right there. Super. We like fullness of joy. That's one of our first values. Actually, that's value number one at Cross Connection Church. Super cool. We want everything we do to be done with joy. I think we're a pretty joyful bunch down here. Perhaps some would say too joyful, but you know what? You know, on Sunday mornings... We make a joyful noise. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Some people call it singing. I don't call what I do singing. I'm more of a vocal stylist, really. (laughs) Not really a singer or a soloist. I'm I'm, I'm a stylist. So So what text do you think Timothy used preaching? Well, little little Bible trivia. Timothy was from Galatia. Timothy's dad was a Gentile. His mom was Jewish. He was a Greek-speaking Jewish man from a mixed marriage. He probably had the Septuagint. There it comes up again. There you go, the Septo. The Septuagint was the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures translated in about the second and third centuries BC. So that's probably what he had. In fact, uh, when you study through the book of Hebrews and you look at the, the manuscript evidence for the book of Hebrews, the references that are quoted from the Old Testament are all from the Septuagint. Hmm. Yep. So... All right. So he did, you know, obviously he didn't have any commentaries, but then he had kind of the living. He had Paul. Yeah. I mean, he was with Paul, right? Yeah. And he had the living, breathing commentary of Paul. That's pretty awesome. And think about, I mean, Paul was a, was the Pharisee's Pharisee. I mean, he was a big dude. He kind of knew his Bible. Yeah. And so he sat under, uh, what is it? Uh, starts with a G. Gamaliel. Gamaliel. Yeah. And uh, uh, so what I think is really cool about the story from Saul to Paul is if you think about everything that he had learned, and I think he was an intense guy. He sure seems like it. And to have that all turned on its head to go, oh, this was talking about Jesus. Man, he had to have some great conversations. I mean, maybe as great as our conversations, you know, he's hanging out here at Cross Connection, but they had to have some great spiritual conversations about, man, I used to think it was this, but it was really this. For two years. Paul awesome. taught at the school of Tyrannus in Ephesus every afternoon. And I think Timothy was probably there quite a bit. That that was talk about a seminary education. Two years just sitting with the apostle Paul in Ephesus getting schooled. And none of this silly over analytical stuff. It was just legit. Like this is the real deal. It'd be cool to hang out with an apostle. I don't know any yeah. apostles. Yeah, They're no. all dead. So I, I, I would contend obviously old Testament, the septo, Septo, Septuagint. And I think they were even forming doctrine, though, as they were going to. That kind of leads into yeah. question number two. Uh, what, did the, what did the first preachers and teachers consider Scripture? Well, in, in large part, the Old Testament Scriptures in 
the Septuagint, the Hebrew scriptures. Um, so they, they had that, that was certainly the scriptures, but, uh, you know, Peter calls Paul's writings scripture, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. In uh, one of his letters, let's see here. Do you think it's true that people say that Peter wanted to be like Paul? Nah. You don't think he, they don't think he had a, a man crush? Peter, Peter was like fisherman, like woodsman guy. Paul was like a book-headed Pharisee. I know. Totally I mean, different group. Well, I'm more like Peter, and I'd love to be like a refined academic. I'm you sure. are so refined. Oh, that's me. So refined. Second uh, Peter three fourteen. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in Christ, in peace, without spot, blameless, and consider that the long suffering of the Lord is salvation, as our own beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them these things in which are some things hard to understand. I love that. Peter's like, you know, that Paul, he's kind of hard to understand. A little wordy, that boy. Which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. So he's he's calling Paul's letters scripture. Oh, cool. That's kind of a trip. I mean, I I think that's a pretty good endorsement. Yeah, so, so they had the Old Testament, they had the Septuagint, those were the Holy Scriptures, and then they recognized that some of the writings that were beginning to be circulated were also Scripture. Uh, Paul also mentions this in 1 Timothy chapter 5. He he makes the comment there. Uh, he's talking about elders being provided for, and he says, let the elders who rule well be worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the Scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, which is from the Old Testament. Yeah. But he also says the laborer is worthy of his wages, which is a quote from Jesus, from the gospel. Mm-hmm. So apparently Paul, they, they had some circulating gospel accounts by that point in time. So he says, uh, the scriptures say, you shall not muzzle the ox. And then Jesus's words were already seen as scripture. So that's kind of a trip. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Micaiah? Is that how we say this name? I say Micaiah. Micaiah? You say Micaiah? I, I, I've heard it both ways. I'm not Jewish. Are you Jewish? Well, let's you call speak the Hebrew? whole thing off. No. Micaiah. 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 Mm. That sounds Hawaiian. In First Kings twenty, I bet he read the Pigeon Bible. Yeah, that's good times. We we did it. we did hit on that last yeah. week. So First uh, Kings twenty two seemed to be sarcastic. Is it okay to be sarcastic? Question. I love mark. this question. I do too. I, I'm I'm gonna first. I'm gonna come right out and say, absolutely. I think God is sarcastic at times. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the question is, is it okay to be sarcastic? Yeah. Okay. So. Well, I guess we have, we have to define sarcasm. Okay, please give me your definition of sarcasm. Well, oh, Webster's. I, no, I I think we should bust it out. I mean, but oh, I okay. Mean, I mean, because when Jesus starts writing in the sand and says, "Marked or given by a strong use of irony," there you go. In order to mock or convey contempt. Perfect. So when Jesus is writing in the sand. When they're going to stone that evil woman caught in adultery, mm-hmm. wherever the guy was, we'll get into that later. Um, but uh, this is one of the I like. This is one of the things that Jesus said when I became a Christian. I'm like, I like this guy. Like, I want to know more about this guy. When he looks these guys in the eye and says, "Let he who is without sin cast the first stone." There's some irony there. Way irony, and then and then I'm like, that's sarcasm. I like that. Okay, let's get some OT, some Old Testament uh, sarcasm. I know you, where I'm going with this. Job, 
I wasn't thinking Job, okay, but well, you, you can tell first. me that one for Okay, my first is going to be, um, remember the story of Elijah with the prophets of Baal? Oh, yeah. And, and they're like cutting themselves, trying to get fire to fall. Is your God on vacation? Yeah, it says he mocks them. So yes. I like Elijah. Okay, He's but awesome. let's let's he be real. People. Crazy stuff in the Bible. Yeah. Is your God on vacation? Yep. Is maybe he out? Maybe is he he's out? in the bathroom. Is he in the bathroom? Covering his feet. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Oh, like, man. Oh, man. Just went okay, right for the now throat. That, um, Elijah's, you know, the guy, successor, who took over after Elijah, mm-hmm. Elisha, not to be confused with Elijah. Why do they had to make it so confusing? So I don't think he really liked being mocked. Do you remember the story about Is that him the being bald mocked? head guy? Bald head guy. Yeah. There were some kids that were mocking him for his bald head. And his he junior high kids. Cursed them. They deserved it. And yeah. two bears came out of the woods and like, they killed like 42 kids. Dude, that's like Aquaman stuff where he's calling on the fish. I haven't seen the movie. Well, just saying. I mean, that's Aquaman in the cartoons. This is like prophet bear guy. I mean, he just like. That's that's certainly one of those. Wait a minute. That can't be in the Bible. That's stories. like Dr. Doolittle goes bad. Okay, so that was my sarcasm story. Elijah, you had one from Job. Well, Job's friends, and finally God just gets he's like, oh, I can't take it anymore. Oh, yeah, one of my favorite verses is yeah. from Job. You was are it the men. You? you are the men, and wisdom will die with you. Yeah. There's some mockery yeah. there. Was it you that, you know, with Leviathan and goes into the whole thing, like goes into all the things he does? Oh, is it you? I'm like, man, that's sarcasm. That's biting sarcasm. Yes, ouch. But he straightened them out. Uh, Isaiah, he, he was a mocker, kind of. He yeah. he um he mocked those who made idols in Isaiah chapter forty. Ooh, it was pretty cool. There's I like some that sarcasm one. there. You become like them. Uh, that's in Psalm one fifteen or yeah, made of wood and silent. Yeah, and you just become just as dumb Eyes as they that. have, but they cannot see. Mouths yeah. they have, but they cannot speak. That sounds, that'd be a great song. So yeah, so Jesus he was he was a little bit sarcastic. Uh huh. You know. Um. You know, one of the ways... You're, fact, the t- you're the teachers of Israel. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Or yeah. have you not read the scriptures? I mean, yeah. that's kind of sarcastic. Yeah, especially because that's read, what they... That was their deal. If you read Matthew 23, when he's talking to the Pharisees and he's talking to them, uh, calling them hypocrites, he, he mocks them pretty brutally in Matthew 23. Okay, so it's constructive sarcasm. How's that sound? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, sarcasm, it can be sin. Absolutely. Anything in excess is not good. Yeah. But I think constructive sarcasm to try to let somebody know how, boy, that was a different way of looking at it and going, man, that was really dumb, wasn't it? Yeah, I do think we need to be careful sometimes because we can maybe break Paul's exhortation in Ephesians, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is useful for building people up. So, you know, we have to be careful. Yeah. But here in the office... It can kind of be a little sarcastic. Kind of like that Dr. Phil thing. Yeah, so, you know, how's that relationship working out for you? I'm sure that nobody who listens to this podcast can hear any, like, little bits of sarcasm along the way. No, ever. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we need a light that goes on. You know, um, when I was growing up, uh, my, my older brother and I were a little bit sarcastic. And some of the humor would occasionally go over my mom's head. Sometimes. Sometimes. So we told her that we would raise our hand when we were being sarcastic, just so she would know that we were joking. You know, and another thing I really love, but hmm. I can't spell it for the life of me, hmm. the word facetious. It's a great word. I, I don't even know how to spell it enough to look it up. I don't know if it's a PF or an F. Facetious. I think it's an F. I can be very facetious at times. So We can, oh. we can say, hey, Siri, how do we spell facetious? Facetious. F A. C-E-T-I-O-U-S. 
There you go. Thank you. Facetious. All right. I got that in my head now. Okay, cool. So, I mean, here's a, you know, talk about your loaded question here. This is a good question. Should a Christian listen to the news today? <laughs> well, I mean, I've certainly from the from the stage, from the pub table, not the pulpit, I have told people to take a fast from the news before. So um, I think the news can be pretty caustic. In fact, maybe even sometimes worse than sarcasm. I mean, so just try this on for size. I think anything you can't quit that's not necessary, entertainment, let's say, mm. for 30 days, mm-hmm. you've got a problem. Yeah, if you can't put it on the shelf for 30 days, that could be a problem. Like if you could not stay away from the news for 30 days, pick so, your news channel. So whatever. as of last week, last Wednesday, mm-hmm. a week ago today, we are officially in the season called Lent, where you know more more spiritual people. They give things up for 40 days for Lent. And uh, I've encouraged some people in the past to maybe give up for 40 days the news or social media or something like that right. because that you can tell just the way that they're li- like you can see the weight of Fox News or MSNBC just like hanging on them. It's like, you know, you might want to take a break from that. Yeah, I think people don't really realize that this is all designed to sell toilet paper and cereal. Exactly. That's my first thought. You yeah. know, I always tell people anything that has commercials attached to it is entertainment. Yeah, it's not real. And so understand that if you're watching the news, um, you are their product. They are selling you to the advertisers and the product, the news, is purely to get you to watch it so that they can put advertising in front of you because that's how they make money. Right. Now, the other side of it is people say, well, you don't want to bury your hand in this, head in the sand. You know, you want to know what's going on. And I would say there is some truth to that. Yeah, absolutely. I don't I, want to be uninformed. Yeah. I saw a really good example of it this last week uh-huh. is, uh, you know, we support Alternatives Women's Center. Yes. And uh, they do a great, great job here in Escondido. And we, we are... In first place. We're always in first place. How does this little church, like, stomp churches 10 times their size? We love the unborn babies. I'm going to go out right now. We love the unborn babies and women of Escondido more than any other church in our area. If, if you we've look got at the dollar signs, dollars and cents. Dollar signs to prove it. I'm all right. just saying. So anyway, Certainly all that being said. In trouble at some point. That's okay. Bring it on. I challenge those other guys. I mean, the only reason we do challenge them is so that we can support alternatives. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a good, healthy good. Christian competition. They not. tried to beat us this time. Another church that shall not be named. Yeah. Collusion. Yeah. I'm just going to say last minute, midnight giving. Yeah. Like after the finish bell. Yeah. That's not right. I don't know how that yeah, works. Yeah. Well, unfair. Anyway, we still won as mm-hmm. usual. All right. Sorry. I cut you off. It's okay. But um, they had a record year for the walk. They they raised $100,000 to go to Alternatives Women's Center. It's a record for them. That's awesome. And I think something that played a really big part in that is recently in New York, that law, that oh, yeah. horrendous. Not just, wasn't there also one in North Carolina? Too? Well, it, it, yeah. it carried over mm-hmm. uh, as New York does. You know, they we double down on dumb, but at times. But anyway, that law where basically you're taking a baby, a live baby out of the womb, uh, the, the way that whole law works there. And it just had reached another level. And I think it was really great because I think the Christians got outraged about it. They're realizing this is not going to go away on its own. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I've said it many, many times because obviously we don't, we, we stay pretty apolitical in our, you know, preaching yeah. things at the church. But I've told people many times before, I don't see this as a political issue. This is a moral issue. No, murder is not a political issue. No. It's a biblical issue. But anyway, so on the news again, um, 
I, you know, I think that Christians, yeah, being informed is a good thing, but Christians need to read and watch and listen to the news with a biblical filter. They need to, they need to understand that. Well, and I think that's really important to understand that all the stuff that you're hearing, reading, seeing in the news, it's, it's already filtered. It's, it's coming from a biased position. There's no, there's no pure, uh, reporting. Well, and one thing that I think is a real challenge is, um, you know, we get our people for an hour a week yeah, and maybe they're reading their Bibles during the week. But I mean, if you add all that up, I mean, what they're seeing on the news is discipling them 10 times more than we could ever do that. And That's so for sure. what is the product of that going to be? So don't, you know, he is a jealous God. Don't put news before him. I, I've heard it said before that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And, and I would say it's not just people, it's content. So if you are feeding yourself with content that is, you know, fear producing, anxiety producing. If you're fearful and anxiety anxious about all the things that are happening in the world, it might be a good indication that you're spending way too much time with these things that are not necessarily beneficial. Media is really powerful. Yeah. I mean, you, I, people go, Oh no, kids don't pay attention, but I'll tell you this. You take two young boys and you put them in a room hanging out. Maybe my brother and I as young boys and you pro- play like a martial arts movie like oh, Bruce yeah. Lee or something. That's dangerous. There's going to be a karate fight. It's going to break out. It's going to be great. But, yeah, but I was I was a it wee bit concerned when I showed my kids Nacho Libre. About their salvation and stuff? No, there's some wrestling going on oh, there. Yeah, that, you know, but that's part of the fun. They right? wanted wrestling masks and the whole deal. Well, that's, I, did you get them for them? We already had one. I just showed them. It was in the toy box. Ooh. We had the nacho mask. What were you doing with the nacho mask? I got it for Christmas one year. Oh, wow. From my mom. Oh, nice. She nice. loves me. I, uh, uh, I, you know, a funny thing, my wife and I, you know, I'm, she's a couple years younger than me, two years younger than me. Uh-huh. And we thought we would watch the old I Dream of Genies. Yeah. And, you know, she grew up and, and didn't really have a mom influence there. And I realized, you know, 32 years later, yeah, I married Jeannie. Well, that's my mom's name, Jeannie. What, what do no, you mean? No, no. I mean, like Jeannie from the show. Oh, okay. Like, there's so much that Jeannie does on the show. Does she grant your wishes? Kind of. Yeah. Ah, that's great. That's good. But she doesn't, like, she can't sit on a couch like a normal person with her feet on the floor. I wish I had some Wahoo fish tacos. I can bet she could make that happen. There you go. So, anyway. I, Actually, yeah. there is a place called Wahoo's Fish Tacos. I don't like them. Was, I like Wahoo fish. I got tacos. poison there. It was horrendous. They almost killed three pastors. That we day. have to be careful talking about that. But yeah, I'm not a big fan. Yeah. Not a well, fan. I'm not going into the graphic detail. Question anyway. number five. Oh, what are some good teachings and commentaries I can go to when I don't understand something in the Bible? Great you question. know what I'm going to say. Yeah, you're going to go to Enduring Word. EnduringWord.com. BlueLetterBible.com. The Goosemeister, David Goose. You know, it, I'm on the board for both of those guys. So, you know, I like Blue Letter Bible. I like... Enduring word. Practically famous. No, I'm not. I'm just on the board. But you hang out with famous people. I do. And I ask them questions. Just like when when Timothy was hanging with Paul, I'm sure he had a lot of questions. So my brother had started a Bible study. Uh-huh. And my mom started going to it. And she goes, you know, I need to, to know a little something more, you know, when I go. So because I don't know where all these books in the Bible are. Yeah. And I says, well, you need a commentary. Uh-huh. That you read through there. And so... I started her off with something really simple, uh, J. Vernon McGee. J. Vernon's good. Yeah. And uh, the funniest thing was that she would read the commentary, and then she would go and jam my brother up. Oh. With all these questions she already knew the answer to. Ooh. And he's like, Mom, where where are you getting this knowledge? I could totally see your mom doing that. She's great. She smiled the whole way. I love her. The four-foot-tall Bible expositor. There you go. Jamming up my brother, which made it all the much better. 
Yeah. Hey, uh, so on this point, there, there are tons of good resources out there, obviously enduring word I like, but on enduring words website, enduringword.com, go to the bibliography and it has like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, uh, commentary references that, you know, pastor David uses when he studies the scripture. So all those are really good. Yeah. Another really great, uh, classic. If you just want to really hold yourself accountable and, uh, you need a quick meal there, though, for like a devotion, too. I really like Streams in the Desert. There's a lot of great oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, devotions, there. yeah. Very encouraging, uh, too. But, yeah, for deep scriptural knowledge, I think go there. Man, there's a lot of good stuff out there. We're really There really is. We got, and a lot of it's free on the Internet. Well, Absolutely. like Enduring Word is available free on the Internet. So is Blue Letter Bible. Yeah, love it. I think it's great. Uh, do I need to study biblical history? I think so. Mm. I do think so. I think it's... It's not impossible, but it's very hard to fully understand, especially the Old Testament prophets, without uh, having a good grasp on what was going on at the time and who the key players were. I mean, the, the, it talks about the Medo-Persians. It talks about the Assyrians and the Syrians and the people of, you know, all these different places. Like, there's some important things to know in there. Yeah, not necessary for salvation, but I think necessary for maturity. And for really grasping kind of yeah. what's going on. Like, I mean, when you read through the prophets, a lot of people just read the prophets and they you know, what's this mean to me? And it's like, well, that's an okay question. But the really important question was, what did it mean? You know, why did Isaiah say this? Why did Elijah say this? And when you start to really look at the history, you start to understand a little bit better. So uh, I mean, on the, on the biblical history thing, you know, I read this book years and years ago. It's, it's totally available for free on the internet. It's uh, called, I think it's just called Old Testament History by Alfred Edersheim. And it's like, just gives you a good basic understanding of history of the time. Nice. I, you can tell me, you have permission to tell me I'm loco, but I, one of my favorite ways to illustrate many times New Testament principles and um, concepts uh, is to pull a story out of the Old Testament. Now, why would I call you loco? I don't know. I mean, just that's my, I like that best. I love, I think if when you the let best the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible, let the Bible teach the Bible and uh, because God's word is so consistent. It is, and it's it's good stuff. So Old Testament history, I like Adersheim's book. I also like another book called A Survey of the Old Testament by Hill and Walton. Uh-huh. That's a good one. And then New Testament, um, there's New Testament history by F.F. F. Bruce is good. It's good stuff. Cool. All right. Is impatience a sin? Ooh. I don't like to talk about patience. Yeah. It's hard to talk about something you don't have. I don't know that impatience itself. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I think I do have some patience. I, I don't know. That I don't it, have the patience of Job. I think you have patience. I try. I have four kids and they're still alive. Yeah. But I mean, it takes Can a I lot say of, that on this? Absolutely. All right, good. Um, there's, I give you permission. Okay. Uh, and I'm an old guy, so I got something going for me. Uh, so impatience takes on a lot of forms. I don't think impatience is in itself is necessarily sin. I think when you act on it, and if you look hmm. at all the places in your life where impatience um, can get you into trouble, then it kind of I think reveals that adds some 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 depth and some color to it. Let's say finances. Uh huh. I can't afford this, and I'm impatient. I'm impatient, so I'm going to go finance it, mm. and I really haven't counted the cost. I haven't prayed about it. I haven't taken my time. How many people have you know? have done that. I, I have think more than financially a few you're a pretty patient guy, I think. For the most part, but I have more than a few things that I probably should have waited on. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, but I mean like uh I think if you want to get married, 
You should be patient. You should be patient. Or you, you might end up in a situation you don't want to be in. If there are activities you commenced without being married mm-hmm. and you're impatient for that, then you're in sin. You know, they say that the, the leading cause of success later in life is making sure you get these things in the right order. Get married before you have a baby. So that's that's an important one. I like it. So And don't have sex before you get married. That's a good one. Yeah. You think yeah. it, it influ- I, I tell couples if they're doing, they go. You're under the influence right now. You got to sober up and get away from one another. Hmm. Because they're they intoxicated are already, by love. They are. They're already under the influence. You know, Song of Solomon. It says, "Do not awaken love before it's time." So, so, you can't hurry love. No, you just got to wait. Oh, daughters of Israel, do not awaken love before it's. One time. day we got to do something on Song of Solomon. You know, um, I just read through Song of Solomon like two days ago because it's a part of a class that I'm taking. And um, as I was reading through it, I was thinking, I'm not actually like jumping to teach through Song of Solomon. You don't want to teach that to the high school or anything? I'll let you teach Song of Solomon. All right. There you go, man. That's going to be my series, Making Israel Groovy Again. <laughs> yeah, baby. Song okay, of so Solomon. on patience. Right. Um, okay, I, I, I have this thought on this whole thing of patience. Okay. Impatience, because the question is, is impatience sin? You know, repeatedly through the Bible, we are charged exhorted taught to be patient so i would suggest that the the inverse the opposite of patience impatience um just doesn't jive quite that well with the teaching of scripture so we should i agree that i don't think impatience in and of itself is is sin but but i think patience is well it's a virtue Okay, so uh, just throw this out. Yep. Moses hitting the rock three times Ooh. for the second time. Yeah. When God didn't tell him, was he impatient or angry or both? I think he was probably both. Okay. Yeah. Man. Love is patient. It's kind, too. Merciful and all those things. Yeah. One of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. Something 13, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Fruit of the Spirit. The outcomes are patience are good. James 1. Yeah. Mm. Those that wait upon the Lord. Yeah. So they shall renew their strength. Isaiah forty thirty one. Yeah. That's a good verse. Yeah. Wings of eagles and all that. Okay. Number eight. How do I practically preach the word to individuals? Timing. Mark, you got an idea on this? I do. Um, I spend an awful lot of time out in the community doing things. Uh huh. And I, I typically don't, you know, I'm a joker. I'm always, full, I had not noticed. Yeah, I know. Full of joy, having a great time. I can make fun of anything and it lightens everybody up. And so I tend yeah. to have relationships with the people I do business with. You know, they're happy to see me. When I come to the door, they smile. They're glad to see me. And um, so it's great. Sooner or later, they find out I'm a pastor somewhere. So I always get these Bible questions. Mm. But this happened before I was even a pastor. And um, I think relationships are really important with people uh-huh. as they come to trust you and you be a friend to them. You know, whether they've been to your house or not, be a friend to them. I think it's really important to care about people. Yeah. And to ask them questions and put their what's going on with them ahead of what's going on with you. And those are what I would I, those are open doors. And the Holy Spirit, I, not a week goes by that I don't have a conversation with somebody that is somebody I just I either met someplace or, you know, at the Starbucks or the, uh, you know, car registration place or where even the DMV. Yeah, I mean, you do kind of have to earn the right for an opportunity to be answering someone's question. Yeah, if I I was talking about this with my wife the other day, we have some new neighbors, and if she just rolls down to the neighbors, she likes to walk, yeah. and a lot of gals like to walk. It's good uh-huh. exercise. And so she just goes down to the neighbor and says, hey, you want to go for a walk? 
because she wants to be friendly and, and you know, welcome her to the neighborhood and just do walks with her. That's very neighborly. It is. If she want, if she wants to do that. Sounds like she's living life in connection. She is. But if she just shows up with the neighbors and shows up and starts preaching at her, that'd be a little weird, wouldn't it? Yeah, you got to earn the right. Yeah, earn the right. So have a care about people. I think there's a big mistake. We think that we have to get a stadium full of people together to lead somebody to the Lord. And that's not the truth. It's one on that one on one discipleship, caring about people. I mean, if every Christian brought five people to the Lord, mm-hmm. like if every Christian brought a Christian to if church, every next Christian week, church brought one person to the Lord we, we, this week, we wouldn't have room for them all. No. Right. So I think there's a timing to it. And I think question two is going to feed into that. But I think you really have to be sensitive to the spirit when you're talking to people. Uh, when somebody's asking you a question about something that's, you know, one of the hot topic, homosexuality, transgenderism, all those things that are hot topics right now, realize many of the times there is a person connected to that. And somebody's asking you about divorce, there's probably a person connected to that. And so you have to be really sensitive uh, and really represent God well in those things. So I think that is a clear call. When somebody's asking you questions, and think back in the New Testament, how many sermons started with somebody asking Jesus a question? And um, we, I think the Holy Spirit precedes us in these conversations. I really do. I really do. What do you think about that, Chief? Well, I think first, you, if you're going to share anything from the Scriptures with other people, you need to know the Scriptures. That's so, probably a good idea. Study to show yourself approved unto God as a worker that's not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Because I, I don't know about you, but I found that it's almost inevitable when I am consistently reading through the Bible mm-hmm. in the morning that the stuff that I read in the Bible that morning applies to some conversation or some event that happens that day. Okay. And then it's like I'm having a conversation with someone and it's like, you know, I was just reading this morning in, you know, Second Timothy or Titus. And it's, it applies to the specific situation. So if you're going to share the gospel, share the scriptures with someone, you, you got to know what the scriptures say. So, and I just think God's faithful. He leads us through the scriptures so that we can share those things with other people. And, um, you know, you're reading through first John. I've been looking at first John. We've had the elders and pastors looking at first John, cause we're going to be going through there. And, uh, John says in the opening words, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. So as you're taking things in from the scriptures, you're going to share it with other people and don't be afraid to share it with other people. Right, and I think um, it's okay to say, you know, I don't know. But yes. you know what? I'm going to find out. There's an answer for that question. Yeah, and I think one of the really the marks, the the qualities of somebody who really knows their Bible sometimes is that they're able to reduce it down to a way that people can actually understand it because that clearly demonstrates that you just don't know chapter and verse, but you actually understand the concept. Yes. And so... Understanding the concept is very, very important. Yeah, knowing things what it out means of, versus just what it says. Yeah, doing things out of context, man, you could really do some damage there. That's for sure. Read things in context. Yeah, so uh, which is the leads us into the next one because they knew the answer was going to be do it by the Spirit. You know, mm. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit and how do I do it? Miles, what do you think about that? Well, I think if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. So you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, and... Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth and he's teach us all things and uh, he convicts us of sin. So walking in the Spirit is walking in the enabling and empowering and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. But the thing that really comes to my mind is um, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gentleness, all these things. I think to walk in the Spirit means you have to walk in love. You have to walk in peace. 
You have to walk in self-control, gentleness, kindness, um, as the Holy Spirit enables you to do that. Now, I would observe that out there in, you know, world land where we all live. Yeah. Those are not qualities that everybody exudes. Don't see them so much. No. So you're going to, if you walk that way. Did you see the video that Nick sent us the other day of the little road rage incident in our own parking lot? I did. It looked like a boyfriend, girlfriend spat. We had some new new video cameras installed and we caught like a a road rage incident. There's no self-control and gentleness and kindness there. Was that the gal dumping the trash can on the guy's hood? It was it was a pretty awesome video. I wouldn't mess with her. She looked very angry. That was a good time. So I, yeah. I laughed at that video. Yeah, the fruit of the Spirit was not there. Not there. That's not, not there. walking in the Spirit. No. That but, is called the works of the flesh. They are evident. It, there's a Spirit, but not the Spirit. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I do think if you're walking in the Spirit, and mm-hmm. it's real, and it's natural, and it's it's prepared by the Lord, um, I think if you do that, it is going to be so noticeable to people. And yeah. God's light is going to shine through you and people are going to ask you questions and it's not going to be, you know, what are you smoking? <laughs> it's right. going to be, gosh, what, why are you not freaked out about this? Yep. So there's that. I do think it's really important for us to prepare our hearts every day. Spend some time with the Lord, mm-hmm. pouring your heart out to him. Maybe you need to confess your faults, whatever that is. But when you get into these situations, you're going to react a little bit different. And I think it's good to frame that. I think Chuck really said something that stuck with me once I was listening to Pastor Chuck. Pastor Chuck. Yeah. And um, he just brought up the fact, he goes, how many things have we either done or said in our lives that if we had just taken one step back in five seconds and prayed about it first, we would have acted or said something completely different. Hmm. And there's a whole right big truth. There, so part of preparing yourself as you you go out and and uh, uh, to yeah, interact was, with people is I think you need to pray. I was reading a book years ago by Alan Redpath on victorious Christian living. I believe it is mm-hmm. it was on the Book of Joshua, and he made the point. Uh, he was actually it was in the passage where Joshua and the children of Israel they made a uh, a league, uh, you know, a treaty with a group of people who mm-hmm. actually, they pretended they were from far away. You remember the story, but they weren't from far away. Right, right. Ragged clothing and some spoiled right. uh, bread and all that. Yeah. And uh, duped them. And the scriptures explicitly say that Joshua did not inquire of the Lord. He did not wait upon the Lord. So Redpath in his book, he made the point that he knows of many a Christian who uh, really got themselves into trouble for not waiting upon the Lord, and no one was ever injured by waiting on the Lord. Right. You know, taking some time and waiting, I think you're right. Yeah, where our heart is has a, a really a big uh, bearing on what our focus is. I know this kid, he was a friend of my son's, yeah. and he would always find money wherever he went. Mm. That's so a good, every time That's we, a good trick. Yeah, every time we would go somewhere, he was finding a quarter or a dollar or... You know, other, they call it folding money. Mm. And I... Clanging money and folding money. Exactly. And I'm saying to myself, why are you always finding money? And he says, because I'm looking for it. Mm. Interesting. When you leave the house, you might need to be looking for it. Opportunity. Mm. Be looking for that in people. So, Well, opportunity to not walk in the fruit of the Spirit is going to be there all day long. So we have to choose to walk in the fruit of the Spirit and walk in the Spirit to be patient to be kind, to be self-controlled, to be gentle, to be at peace. All of these things the Lord enables us to do by his Holy Spirit. So I think walking in the Spirit is walking in those things by the empowering, enabling of of the Spirit to do so. Walking worthy, man. Amen. Cool. This is a hard, this is a sad question, (laughs) but I, I, I can think of people. 
Uh, I've been a Bible-believing, church-attending Christian for 20-plus years and still find myself not trusting God. I've lived through an inordinate amount of death and tragedy, and those circumstances are hard to escape. Huh. And this is actually one that I sent in because I was asked it by somebody. Oh, so really? I know who the somebody is. Okay. Who will remain anonymous. Mm. Uh, but this person has seen uh, more than most people's share of tragedy and hardship uh, relationally with people and has a hard time trusting people. And uh, when this person has got right down to it, is like, man, I'm carrying that over to my relationship with the Lord. And I know in my head and I know in my heart, he is worthy. He is perfect. He loves me more than anybody. But I, I find as I confront myself, there are areas where I'm not trusting God. What do you think about that? Well, I guess when I read this question the first time, I, I was trying to like deconstruct mm-hmm. it and understand where it's coming from. So that explanation helps a little bit because I guess the way that I was reading it was is this question saying, you know, the world is in such a mess and because the world's in such a mess and I've experienced that mess, I have a hard time trusting God is there in all the chaos or is it saying, you know, the world's falling apart around me and I have a hard time trusting him in the midst of the difficulty? Like, I think it's more of a, as bringing those big trust issues to him to know, hey, it's going to be okay. And I think a lot of people suffer from this. We know that anxiety yeah which said like an all-time high yeah it goes into depression and things like that too we, we talked to an awful lot of people about that and so uh how do we teach people to have that hope i guess and uh relationship of trust with the lord yeah you know along with reading song of songs song of solomon the other day i also had to read ecclesiastes which is a great book and uh ecclesiastes whether it was written by solomon or someone else you know whatever it's in the scriptures but um the person writing it, you know, he just is observing all the the malevolence and brokenness of the world. And I think the ultimate end is refocusing your attention upon the Lord is really, really important. Paul says in Colossians 1, or Colossians, uh, maybe it's chapter 3, set your mind on things above. I think that's really, really important. But the thing that really comes to mind about the difficulty trusting in God, you remember the story in Mark, I think it's 9, the man who brings his demon-possessed son to Jesus, and when he does, it's like it, everything gets worse. Oh, is that the Lord give me the faith? Yeah, when he says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah, help my unbelief. Yeah, because the Lord said, you know, all things are possible to him who believes, and the Father says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And I, I really appreciate that story just because I think that God really, uh, we already talked about God being merciful. I think he's very tender and merciful to our our inability sometimes to mm-hmm. trust and in my experience, the Lord has just continually shown himself worthy of my trust by by faithfully providing. And, and when I say providing, I, I mean like providing wisdom when I needed it or providing uh, peace in the midst of difficult things. When, when I really come before him and say, you know, Lord, you said in the word, cast your cares upon me for I care for you or, uh, you know, that he will take the burden. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and heavy, I can't talk. You all you that are heavy laden, heavy laden, Matthew yeah. eleven twenty eight. I will give you rest. So I go, Lord, you promised you. I'm heavy laden. I'm trying to lose some weight, man. Oh yeah. 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 Riding the bike. Yeah. Yoke to Jesus. And so I just say, Lord, you, you have to, you have to give me that grace, that peace, that mercy, that whatever it may be. And, and he does, he's faithful. And then my trust in him increases as I see his faithfulness. Yeah, it's, um, 
and I always have to be really careful with this because God's given me victory in so many different parts of my life in places where other people are very weak, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm, I don't want to have like, hey, I can do this, you can do this as a pastor, right? Yeah. And um, I think it's because we have each have different challenges. We, we have these different challenges. I think um, you and I share some things in our growing up where our dads were gone a lot. Uh-huh. And so there were a lot of challenges that came our way that didn't happen with kids that had their dads home every night. We needed to yeah. learn to do a lot of different things and, and do without. But somewhere along that, God gave us the faith or the choice, I think, to say, hey, this is a good thing. This is going to help us. This We used it for that um, is how it, it formed us. And to, it made us conquerors in some areas that maybe other people might have been challenged. And so I always... I had the benefit of two good parents, things like that. So I have to be really careful when I look at these yeah. questions because I don't have that struggle. Right. Right. But mm-hmm. I, I want to understand it for this person. Yeah. So. I'm grateful to not, I, I, you know, I've met people before that really have a hard time with the concept of God being father because they had such a bad example of a father in their life. So it kind of brings up the wrong emotions. Um, so, you know, I can, I can empathize with it. I, I don't have the same experience. I'm grateful that I don't, but um, I can certainly see where that is a challenge for some people. And I think just getting to know God as he has revealed himself in the scriptures, you begin to realize that he is not what you saw in an example of a father here in this broken, fallen world. Yeah. So he is a good father. And there is something about walking with the Lord and doing scary stuff sometimes. Yeah. Um, I think of the exchange, one of my favorite exchanges is Peter is there with Jesus and people are falling away because Jesus says the hard saying, mm-hmm. you know, eat my body and drink my blood and yeah. they're not getting it. And they walk away and he looks at Peter and he says, so Peter, are you going to leave also? And Peter looks at him and basically says, I've seen too much and walked and, and witnessed too much. And, and, and I know who you are. I, I couldn't walk. Where away else will we go? Yeah, who else has else? the words of life? Exactly. And so I think that is a point in most Christians life. Hopefully they hit it one time when they, they can't get talked out of it. And there's a lot, great deal of trust there. So anyway. Well, speaking about father, last question here says, I was talking to my daughter yesterday throughout the Bible. It will state fear not or fear God. Why should we fear God if he is father? Our Abba. Abba is the Hebrew word for father. Why should we fear God if he's father? Well, I certainly knew growing up, I don't know about you, I knew my dad loved me. I could see that in the way that he parented. Uh, but I Did you I ever a, feel that he loved you? I had a reverence for my father. Yes. Uh that was it bordered at times upon a fear. I mean, I'm not like cowering deathly afraid of my father, especially since by the time I was about 12, I think I was taller than him. But yeah, that's another story. Um so uh yeah, so I had a reverence for my dad, which was a respect for him. I would say the uh, I had the same thing. My dad was a really big guy. Yeah, big your arms. dad's hands are like the biggest hands I've ever seen of any person. Enormous. Yeah, and I'd be afraid of them hands. Yeah, they well they got a hold of me once or twice. There you go. Yeah, and I deserved it. I probably deserved more. Maybe. But, yeah, but I I will say that I always had a very healthy respect for my dad, and um, I I actually learned a lot about God from him. In some ways, we would. You know, he would be away on the fishing boat, and we would talk sometimes on the radio once uh-huh. in a while, so you could talk on the radio. But this concept of this all-powerful being that you could talk to that wasn't in the room with you, 
that was returning one day. Yeah, I am 7,000 miles away, Mark Childers, but I know what you did, and you better reform your attitude. Because your mom ratted you out, yeah. It's called the fear of the dad. Exactly. So mm. um, that was not a hard concept for me to grasp when I became a Christian. Interesting. Yeah, So, and I'm, I'm thankful for it. Okay, so I do find it kind of interesting if you, if you search this fear and God, fear of the Lord thing, it is everywhere in the Old Testament, but it's hardly seen in the New Testament at all, hmm. which is interesting. I mean, God is still presented as father in the New Testament, uh, but, you know, in Christ, we receive grace and um, there's not the same fear as when we were under the law. Well, we've got Jesus in the way of the whole thing, which yeah. is great. And perfect love casts out all fear, all fear. But I, I still think we need to have a, a proper reverence for God. A respect for him. Yeah. And I, you know, I see a great deal of disrespect for God uh, yeah, that's out there. True. And not just in people's actions, but in the words they say. And yep. sometimes by Christians. Mm -hmm. I am very cautious when I hear somebody say, well, the Lord told me, or mm -hmm. the Lord spoke to me. And then they, you know, give me some King James, which, mm -hmm. does, you know, that's not the language of God. What? Uh, yeah, I know. Hard to believe. I thought Paul and Jesus and all of them spoke in King James. Pigeon. I'm pigeon. Pigeon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I'm very cautious of that. And you know, we have to be really careful. I think you have to watch it. It shows a casual attitude, lack of respect, lack of fear uh, for our creator, our provider, our protector, uh, our dad. And we want to make sure we really treat that with reverence. Uh, the reverence of the Lord is a very important attitude to have when you are studying scripture, when you are thinking about doing you're not supposed to something you're not supposed to do. Uh, uh, God is truly uh, all-powerful, and uh, I, I don't want to bum him out. And the opening words of Proverbs say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. wisdom. So yeah. good place to start. I want to be smart. One day. Absolutely. Well, I think that's the last last question. Cool. Any parting words? Uh, let's see. I, you know, I learned something this week. What'd you learn? Or something laid on my, my, I mean, I knew this, but you think about it as we were going through Timothy and it talks about having to deal with things at church, sometimes unpleasant things. And how many times have pastors, cause we don't like confronting people on stuff, right? Uh -huh. I mean, it's not why we go to work. We don't come to church to wake up and go, Oh boy, I get to tell people they're being nasty to one another. Right. Uh, either on Facebook or whatever, but it's easy to say, oh, that'll just fix itself. Mm. And like, really, if sin would just go away, fix itself, we wouldn't need Jesus. Mm. Sin, sin. We needed a savior. And so I just, that concept to me, like, you know, don't ignore sin. Don't ignore sin. What should you do with it? I think you need to put it in its place. Confess, repent, repent, trust in Jesus for his cleansing work. And if you're on the other side of it, forgive. Yes. Forgiveness. Yes. How many times? Up to well, seven times? Well, I mean, you could go from 70 to seven, but I, I, you know, seven times 70, but, you know. 490? But you could even go more. Yes. So. Yeah, because the Lord keeps forgiving me, and boy, do I need it. I might have messed up once or twice. A couple times. Yeah. Yeah. That so, I know of. All right. Well, hey. All right. Blessings. Peace out.